Welcome to Elevate, the podcast where we dissect exceptional achievers who are consistently raising the bar personally and professionally to produce extraordinary results in investment real estate and ultimately in their lives. Now, here's your host, Tyler Chesser. Elevate Nation, welcome back. This is Tyler Chesser. I'm so thankful to have you here, and I'm blessed and grateful to be sitting here with my new friend, Carmine Gallo. Carmine, how are you, sir? (laughs) I'm great, Tyler. Thanks for inviting me. Well, it's an absolute pleasure and a privilege to be sitting down with you today. And I want to welcome back the listeners because we're absolutely going to be taking it to another level today. And we're going to be talking about transformational leadership, transformational communication, which is so key in terms of building and developing that life that we're talking about, that life without limits. And so who better than to have Mr. Carmine Gallo here with us to talk about that and so much more. I mean, we're going to talk about the journey, we're going to talk about really the mindset, the routines, you know, of an individual who's been so transformational, not only across the country, but across the world. And uh, you're going to get to know Carmine today. So I'm really excited to introduce you to him. If you don't know him, uh, let me just go ahead and tell you about him just a little bit here. He's a three-time Wall Street Journal bestselling author, internationally popular keynote speaker, a Harvard instructor, and a leadership advisor for the world's most admired brands. A communications guru, according to Publishers Weekly, Gallo's books have been translated into more than 40 languages. He delivers highly customized, engaging, inspiring, and actionable multimedia keynotes based on his international bestsellers, Talk Like Ted, The Presentation Secrets of Steve Jobs, and The Storyteller's Secret in his latest book, Five Stars, The Communication Secrets to Get from Good to Great. And his books have been endorsed by billionaires such as Howard Schultz, the CEO of, uh, of Starbucks and such a, such a great leader himself, Vinod Koshla, uh, Mark Benioff, CEOs like Gino Belafari, Berkshire Hathaway, Home Services of America, Tony Sheesh, Zappos, and a wide range of experts from Tony Robbins, you know, one of my mentors, and Adam Grant. Gallo is one of the most influential voices in communication, business, and leadership, and has been featured in the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, USA Today, and Success Magazine, as well as on MSNBC, CNBC, CNN, and ABC's 2020. Gallo has built a reputation for transforming leaders into powerful storytellers and communicators at the world's largest and most admired brands, including Amazon Web Services, Accenture, Allstate, Apple, Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, Chevron, Coca-Cola, Google, HCA Health, Intel, LinkedIn, McKinsey, Medtronic, Merck, Microsoft, Walmart, and so many others. And Carmine Gallo writes popular columns for Forbes.com and Inc.com and the Harvard Business Review. So man, let me tell you, we could go on and on and on. And Carmine, welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit about you behind the bio. Who are you as a man? Tyler, thanks for that bio. I I need you to take over the Wikipedia page. I can do that. I got it. (laughs) I love that. No, I think you you pretty much covered it. Are we done? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We can go ahead and just shut it. We can just turn it down now. We're good. Yeah. No, no, I, uh, I am passionate about leadership and communication skills. Uh, I see everything through the lens of communication because I think that every movement, every, every action, every great thing that, you know, happens in society from, from the American revolution, you know, to today, often there is a leader who is a great communicator who sparks action. And that's why in, Gosh, back in college, at, when I was at UCLA, I was going to become a, an attorney. You know, I, went, I was going to go to law school, like a lot of people during that time. Uh, but I realized that I was more interested in communication and speeches. Uh, that was during the time of uh, Ronald Reagan was giving great speeches at the time. You know, my parents were big fans. Uh, and I just recall being inspired by great speech making. I didn't know what that meant. Do I become a speech writer? But I wasn't a, I didn't, I didn't see that as a career option. And so what I did is I bailed on my idea to go to law school uh, and didn't, you know, make uh, my dad wasn't too happy about that at the time, but you know, Italian immigrant wanted his kid to go to medical school or law school. He had two choices. 
Uh, so, but then I went to journalism school. And I went into journalism and worked as a television anchor for about 15 years, uh, different parts of the country, finally in New York City, covering uh, business news. And it was at that time that I realized that the people who we as journalists, it's happening today, you see this all the time, you see pundits, you see cable news personalities, uh, particular experts, experts in certain areas, they're the same faces. You see them on CNBC, you see them on the different business news shows. And I realized, this is about 20 years ago, I realized that the people who were considered the true, the real experts in certain areas that got all of the publicity and the fame were not necessarily the most expert in a particular topic, but they could communicate that topic effectively. They can communicate it better than everybody else. And so I transitioned from being a full-time television uh, person to writing books and working with CEOs and executives on communication skills, especially. So that was how that transition happened. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm so inspired by, you know, great communicators as well. And I don't think I ever realized it growing up, but I was always, you know, I just remember watching speeches of, you know, famous presidents and leaders, mm -hmm. you know, I know one, one leader that you and I both share a, such a deep admiration for was Steve Jobs, you know, and, yep. and just the sure. way that he was able to move people. And, you know, one of the things that you talk about is that, you know, average communicators are more success, you know, above average communicators are more successful than the average individual and great communicators can really start movements. And that's what I love yeah. most about, you know, learning and growing your communication skills is because you can inspire something within someone else to then, you know, move and do something great. And, you know, really the mission behind this show is that, you know, we believe that millions of people just tolerate their life. Well, you know, millions of people have the opportunity of living a fulfilling life through the combination of, you know, committing to personal growth and through the combination of, you know, investing in real estate. So, uh, but to do that, yeah. you know, you've got to be a great communicator with someone else. And, and, and we feel like through this platform, we can communicate these tactics. But at the end of the day, communication is that conduit, you know, and so that's why I'm so passionate about it as well. But I'd love for you to just talk a little bit about, you know, how, what has what has your growth journey been from sort of that initial, you know, inspiration of learning that communication inspired you, you know, and, and mm -hmm. great above average communicators and the practice of communicating inspired you while also becoming that version of yourself as well. I'd love for you to just talk about that journey. Well, my own personal growth journey probably had a lot more to do with layoffs <laughs> than anything else. And which is relevant, especially now, because we are, uh, we are having this discussion at a time when there's gonna be incredible economic disruption, I mean, on a catastrophic level. Uh, and so a lot of people are gonna be losing their jobs. Well, I've lost four <laughs> over, over my career, you know, when I first started, first started out. So I've lost four jobs. Uh, but what I've learned is that every time I, I lost one job, new opportunities opened up in different areas that I never would have considered, and it always got just a little better and a little better. Uh, but finally, I, I did reach the conclusion, and uh, thank goodness my, my wife Vanessa was uh, you know, a big supporter of mine, that we needed to go out and do our own thing. Uh, because I didn't like, and maybe, maybe a lot of our viewers are going through this now, uh, I don't like being at the mercy of someone else someone else's decision-making because you don't know what's going on in their head and they are making decisions that are going to affect you and your career and your livelihood uh, without telling you they're thinking about making those decisions. So my, uh, my wife and I, boy, I quit a six-figure job. I was in public relations at the time. This was in between what I do now and journalism, little in-between spot. And I was making six figures at a PR job. And we knew that I wanted, I wanted to write books. I wanted to have my own, my own firm. And I quit that job with a new mortgage, a baby on the way, and with one project that was about $1,200 in the pipeline. Wow. 
that was <laughs> so it takes a lot of guts it did you know we took a risk and so we've been through those ups and downs sure. but i think being being through economic booms and busts and recessions and the dot-com boom and bust in 2008 and knowing as much as i do about history big history buff i read everything about especially on u.s history and the past i think by understanding history and having gone through four layoffs and having gone through booms and busts you know that the progression of the world is always up and you know that america is always going to get better and recover like warren buffett said never get bet against the american tailwind wow is that tailwind that's going to put you forward uh, but is that is the hardest thing to do when you're in the middle of a crisis when yeah. you're in the middle of being laid off or when you're in the middle of something that that's happening now with the coronavirus pandemic and not knowing that uncertainty as human beings, we need certainty. And so it's uh, emotionally, it's very hard. Very few people can see forward because it hasn't happened yet. We only see what we see now. Um, in behavioral psychology, it's called availability bias. Hmm. You extrapolate the future based on what you see in front of you today. Uh, it's hard. And as I, it's really hard to get out of that mindset. And that's why I study, especially for someone like myself who needs to understand communication, I cannot help people be better communicators unless I understand how your brain works, Tyler, yes. you know, or our viewers. So I, I actually have had to study over the last 10 years, I've talked to behavioral psychologists uh, and neuroscientists. What, what's fascinating to me is that the more you understand about how people communicate, how the brain processes information that's coming at you, the more solace you can take and, and more calm you can be in times of crisis like today. Yeah. It, it's very interesting. I hadn't thought about that until all of this happened. <laughs> you know, the economy kind of bust. Um, I'm, I think I'm a little calmer than most people only because I understand that when I read something that is shocking, <clears throat> that that particular piece of information is being shared more rapidly because our brains are wired to look for threats rather than the positive. So do you know how hard it is to find the positive in any, you know? uh, so that's why I'm fascinated. I think your viewers would be really, uh, it's valuable to focus on people who have perspective. So what I do, especially in times of crisis, Listen to anything Bill Gates says, hmm. because he calls himself an impatient optimist. And at the end of every interview he's been given on the coronavirus pandemic, he's looking at silver linings, too, about what we're learning from this and how it's going to set us up for the future. Uh, listen to Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett rarely, well, never that I've ever seen in any interview, Warren Buffett is always calm never panics about the stock market. Have you noticed that? Yeah. It's because he has perspective. He said he bought his first stock in the middle of World War II when the outcome was uncertain. And so he's seen panics. He has seen booms and busts in the economy. And even though this is unprecedented, it's not unprecedented historically. Mm -hmm. uh, we've had, the world has been through a lot worse. Read about the bubonic plague read about the pandemic of 1918. Yeah. Uh, but people who have perspective, they have the sweep of history, have a very different view of events. And so I would recommend as, as a communicator too, I love listening to people like Buffett, Gates, maybe a handful of others, but they're rare because most people want to share the bad with you. And that is a, it's a way of thinking that could be very damaging. So I think there's a lot of opportunities even here to learn to elevate, you know, learn to elevate yourself and to learn some skills that'll make you a, maybe a better, wiser person. Are you someone who is looking to seriously elevate your life this year? I mean, now, because I want to let you know that I am currently opening up a few coaching spots for people like you who want to close the gap from where you are to where you want to be. And I want to invite you to visit coachwithtyler.com. Again, that's coachwithtyler.com. I have to tell you, this is not for everyone. This is only for those who are defiantly committed, those who are decisive, those who are coachable, those who are resourceful. 
they're willing to do whatever it takes. They're willing to sacrifice time, energy, and invest resources into themselves to get to where they want to be, to live life at the highest level and to elevate to a life without limits. Exactly what we talked about on this show. If that is you, I invite you to visit coachwithtyler.com. Again, that's coachwithtyler.com. I love this so much. I can't even tell you because you're not talking about, well, you need to, you know, here's how you lead a good story. Well, yes, Mm -hmm. storytelling can help communicate ideas to other people. But what you're saying is you've got to understand psychology. You've also got to have a perspective of not only what someone else is thinking and how human psychology works in terms of, you know, the fear, you know, base reptilian brain that we all have. And when you read that article of, wow, this is shocking information. And, you know, we're looking at potentially 30% unemployment or even more. And how many deaths are we looking at? And then how does that make you feel? And then also, how do we know, how do we know that that impacts other people as well? And so you're communicating based on that understanding of someone else's perspective. And I think it's so valuable you know, whether you're an entrepreneur in the real estate space or, or anywhere else, or you're just leading your family or you're leading your employees. I mean, it's such an important concept to realize that you've got to be thinking and having perspective of that other person, putting yourself in their position, holding one thought along with holding another thought in your mind at the same time and understanding and having a full perspective of that is just so important. So I just really appreciate that. But I, I want to go deeper on the psychology and the, you know, the neuroscience. Sure. I mean, cause I know that that's sure. one of the things that I love about your work is that you really study how the brain works and how, you know, what the human condition is and what's the most appropriate way to really communicate with that, whether it's verbally or otherwise. So let's go into that. I mean, where, where should we start? You mentioned my latest book, which is called five stars. And the reason why the subtitle is The Communication Secrets to Get from Good to Great is because a lot of the people I've worked with, especially CEOs or executive level professionals, are already good or comfortable being communicators and speaking to other folks. They would not have gotten to the position that they did if it had not been for respectable communication skills. And yet, there's a big difference between average, which will only guarantee below average results in today's hyper-competitive world. We know that. You can't be average anymore, or even okay or pretty good. You have to be great. And there's very few leaders and communicators who have gotten to that great point. So that people like Steve Jobs. Um, I'll give you one that I'm, I'm watching a lot, and I'm sure your viewers are too, or, or have heard about, and that's Andrew Cuomo who's giving constant updates, every daily updates on the coronavirus. So here's a guy who I've written about for Forbes and for Inc. I've written about it for a couple of different publications. Uh, Here's a guy who is very open about saying you have to, as a leader in a crisis, you have to balance both facts and emotion and fear. How do you give people the facts, put the facts in perspective, and yet mitigate the fear that's going to come from those statistics. So to me, that tells me, Tyler, that he's thinking as a leader in a crisis and how best to communicate a message. And so throughout my history and, the hist- and much of U.S. history as well, the great leaders in a crisis are great communicators as well. And I don't think it's, I think it's a rare skill, but it's a skill that can be built. It's a skill that any of us can learn to do significantly better. Uh, people like Warren Buffett, uh, who, I, who I wrote about in Five Stars, the reason, that's one of the reasons why I focus a lot on Buffett, because I, I had to look into his background and watch a lot of his interviews. Uh, your viewers may not know that Warren Buffett was terrified of public speaking. And he's he's acknowledged that. He said, I was so paralyzed of public speaking that he signed up for a public speaking course and he lost his money because he didn't show up to the course. He was too afraid to go to a public speaking course because they may ask him to stand up and say his name in front of the group. This is Warren Buffett we're talking about. But he realized that this is a skill that he had to build in order to stand out and in order to further his career. This was when he was a stockbroker. And obviously, he had to persuade customers and clients 
to work with him. Why should I invest my money with you, Mr. Buffett, versus someone else when he wasn't a billionaire and he wasn't a household name? So every persuasion and communication is something that will take you from where you are today to where you see yourself and where you want to be in almost every field, certainly, that I've, that I've looked at. Uh, and so that's why I'm so passionate about, you know, looking at uh, studying great communicators, analyzing what they do, and helping others become the best communicators they can be, because we all have ideas. In the 21st century, and I've talked about this in some of my books, you're only as valuable as your ideas. In the first part of Five Stars, you may remember this if you read it, part one is all about how we've gotten to this point, where in the agricultural age, which was most of human history, you didn't necessarily need to be a great communicator. Uh, you could only plow the land so much faster than your neighbor. Uh, it was an ag-based economy. And then in the industrial age, starting in the 1800s, you, most people worked in a factory. So you could only assemble a widget as fast as the person next to you. But Warren Buffett said that in the knowledge age, especially in the last you know, 20 to 50 years, that your ideas count more than, more than anything because your ideas can be spread around the world in an instant. If you cannot communicate your ideas effectively, then you're going to be left behind. Or you're, you won't elevate yourself as successfully as you, you possibly can. Yeah. I love the name of your show, by the way, Elevate. Makes so much sense. Thank you. Well, I mean, what a better time to really illustrate how <laughs> ideas can spread with a pandemic. I know it sounds weird to even say that, but if yeah. you think about how connected we are as human beings, and we've all got to kind of shelter in place right now and, and make sure that we're not spinning. I'm sheltered in place here as we're talking. We're sheltered in place. In fact, my girls are in the other room. Two of my right. daughters are in the other room doing uh, at-home schooling. I mean, we're all living that, it's crazy. you know, and it's, yeah. and it's, it just illustrates how connected we are. And, you know, what you said is like, you know, ideas are the currency of the 21st century. And, yeah. and one of the things that, uh, you know, I think about right now is like, all right, well, what's, what's our currency going to look like on the back end of this economic crisis, whatever, you mm -hmm. know, whether that's a short term or long term, but at the end of the day, you know, what you're saying is at the end of the day, you know, your, your ideas can be that currency. And, but you've got to package them effectively. And one of the things that I love about your work as well is that you talk about sharing your ideas with passion. And you've talked multiple times, even in this discussion so far, about your passion for communication. And, you know, yeah. one of the things that Tony Robbins says, who's, you know, one of my mentors, sounds like one of your mentors and colleagues in different ways, um, you know, he says, if you're in your head, you're dead. And, you know, if you're just mm -hmm. thinking about, well, what's my presentation going to be and what, how am I going to say it and when am I going to say this, you know, you, you fall apart because it's all about you. Now, can you get to a place of contribution towards serving someone else? You know, like when you're selling something, when you're persuading someone else to believe in your idea, it's more so how can I be, have a full perspective of them? Would you say, and, and I'd love to know more about that. I mean, did you talk more yeah. about passion and communication? Yeah, I think when I talk about passion i'm always a little reluctant about it because i don't want people to roll their eyes and think oh yeah yeah you got to be passionate uh, it's much deeper than that so let me give you a couple of examples uh, people like steve jobs were they were passionate about more than just the product or the service and and i don't believe that anyone can be an inspiring communicator without being passionate about their topic. Let me break it down. I did not say that you cannot be successful. You can be financially successful at doing something maybe you don't like 90% of the work you do, uh, but I only focus on inspiring communicators, which in inspiration by definition means that I am eliciting a a passion in you. I'm igniting your enthusiasm. That's what inspiration means. I'm igniting your enthusiasm. Well, you cannot inspire unless you're inspired yourself. That's why for me, in my work, passion is so important. But passion isn't just, a, you know, like 
I'm really excited about this, this product. I can't wait to get into your hands. It's, it's not that. Passion is digging deep to identify what it is about what you do, your product, your service, your ideas, that gets you up in the morning. That, you know, that, that makes you excited and don't be afraid to share that with other people. That's what I mean by passion. Um, and often it's not the product or the service itself. It's how that product or service is going to improve the lives of your customers. Uh, let me give you one example of when passion became such an important part of my thinking process and my writing. Years ago, when I wrote my first book, this was 10 books ago, when I wrote my first book, 2005 or so, I interviewed Howard Schultz, founder of Starbucks. Uh, who was the CEO at the time, then he left, became chairman, then CEO again. And now I think he's pretty much you know, out, outside of the company. But at that time, he was the CEO of Starbucks. And we spoke, I wish I had the original recording, I can't find it. But we spoke for about 20 minutes. And who, who do you think was the first person in that conversation 20 minutes later, we spoke for about two hours, but 20 minutes later, who's the first person to bring up coffee? You think it was yeah. him? Guaranteed it was you. <laughs> I'm like, oh, wait a minute, <laughs> you having a coffee right now? I mean, we, I thought we were talking about coffee. And he corrected me, and I'll never forget this. He said, coffee is what we sell as a product, but that's not who we are. The company itself is all about human connection, bringing people together, that third place between work and home. Uh, he, he told me the stories. That's where I got into storytelling, too. He, as Howard Schultz told me the stories about how he went to Milan, Italy, and would just uh, fell in love with that whole coffee cafe culture and, and exported it, you know, brought it back to America. And we wouldn't have lattes and cappuccinos, you know, if it wasn't for Starbucks. Uh, so he brought that from Italy to America. I under, I, I'm Italian. I got relatives in Italy. That's where we're from. That's where my parents are from. So I understand what he meant. It's very different than anything that was in America at that time. So he, he was, he's a great storyteller. That's where I started thinking about storytelling mm. as, as a subject. But it's also where I started talking, thinking about passion because he rarely mentioned the word coffee because that's not what his company stands for. Listen to all the Steve Jobs interview or presentations that you can find on YouTube. Steve Jobs, and he said this specifically, he's not passionate about the computer, not, not passionate about the box. He was passionate about creating tools that would unleash people's creativity. Wow, now all of a sudden you're talking about something very different than the physical product. And that's why I think passion is so critical to being an inspiring communicator. Before you give a presentation or a pitch or talk to a new prospect or client, ask yourself, what is it about this conversation, this presentation, this topic that I'm excited about, that I'm passionate about? And don't be afraid to use that word. Hey, this is what I'm excited about. This is what I'm passionate about. Uh, Howard Schultz uses passion every other word, every other word. Steve Jobs did too. You can give anyone a presentation. I can give anyone a really beautiful uh, presentation deck. Okay, let's say we, we spent a lot of money on outside designers and had this gorgeous presentation prepared. Uh, you can give it to anybody. If they, if they remember the, they memorized the talk track, they could deliver it. And the slides will look beautiful, make a very different impact on people if that person is not personally connected to that topic in some way. That's why passion is such an important uh, piece of being a great communicator. No, I couldn't agree more. And it's so important for entrepreneurs and people who are building businesses and leaders to really deeply connect with the why. You know, it's like what Simon Sinek yeah, talked yeah. about, start sure. with why and have an understanding of what's the mission. Because like for us, you know, for us and many of the people that listen to this show, real estate is the vehicle towards creating what they want in their life. So they can travel the world, mm -hmm. so they can give yeah. back to others, so they can create something beyond just sitting in a cubicle, you know, so they can go out and be the greatest version of themselves, so they can lead their families and others. And so many more reasons, and it's unique to that individual, but you know, what you're saying is like, let's spend time and really connecting to that outcome. 
rather than just yeah. getting too caught up into whether you're Steve Jobs and it's the computer or whatever it may mm -hmm. be. It's this device or it's coffee, but it's really the culture that's created from the outcome of that vehicle. So I love that. And then developing your story around that is so important. And that's how you bring people on to your mission. And then they want to support that mission because then they start to develop that passion. Would you say? That's when you start to okay. scare. So this is, this is incredibly important. How do we transfer passion to one another? Uh, so I can smile. I can, through my gestures, my voice, my body language, you can tell I'm really excited about a particular topic. But rhetorically, the best tools, the best, the only tool we have to kind of transfer our excitement to another person is through the vehicle of story. And that's why for years I've been immersed in the science and the art of telling a great story and telling an origin story. Uh, not too long ago, I interviewed Mark Randolph, who is the co-founder of a company you may have heard of called Netflix. Never heard of it. Uh, <laughs> so Mark and Reed Hastings, and a true story, and he told me the story, but we had a, a discussion about it. So let me follow along here. Uh, <clears throat> Mark lives in Santa Cruz, California. I live in Northern California, so he lives about an hour and a half away. So I visited him in his home in, in Santa Cruz, which is near, near the ocean. And we had a really nice conversation about how Netflix started. He wrote a very popular book, um, which was a really fascinating book. I think your, your listeners, your, your viewers would really, really love it. Um, and I'm forgetting the name of it. I'm gonna have to look it up or maybe you can look it up while I'm talking. It, it's, it a, it's a funny name. Uh, that, that's why it's hard for me to remember, but it's very humorous. Oh, that will never work. Ah, there it is. Yeah. Yeah. That will never work. That's the title of the book. It's not like the Netflix story. It's that will never work. So I, I always blank out sometimes when I try to remember it. Uh, the reason why he called it that will never work is because Tyler, what do you think they heard all the time when they were pitching the idea for Netflix? That's all they said. It will never work. Come on. That'll never work. People are going to rent, um, <laughs> they're going to rent their movies, it'll come in the mail. Yeah, this was before streaming. Remember, Netflix was all about delivering uh, DVDs in the mail. Wow. Yeah. So, I remember. Um, so what happened, though, he tells me about the origin story. And he said, Garmine, this is really important to understand. Every startup, every entrepreneur needs to have a short, concise origin story that kind of wraps up the whole company neatly in a bow. It may not be the whole story, because as we all know, everyone who's watching, entrepreneurship is complicated. <laughs> it's, you don't There's just- no bows involved. <laughs> yeah, you don't have an idea and all of a sudden it's Netflix. It's complicated. It may take years of evolution, but nobody wants to hear that. They just want to hear the origin story. Uh, and he says it plays a really important role in attracting investors or, or customers, getting people to connect with you. So you got to have an origin story that's short to the point, has a bow on it. Uh, so his origin story, and it is really short, he tells it all the time, is that him and uh, Mark Randolph and Reed Hastings were sharing a carpool from Santa Cruz to Silicon Valley where they both worked. They both worked at a different company and they worked together. And so on all of their drives, they would kind of share, share ideas. What, wouldn't it be cool if we had our own company? And what kind of ideas would we do? And one day, uh, Reed Hastings was very upset. He was like angry because he got dinged $40 uh, for a late fee because he returned a VHS of Apollo 13 back to Blockbuster. Um, and he got dinged a $40 late fee. He found it. He didn't know it was late, returned it. 40 bucks later. He said, wouldn't it be great if there were no late fees? Like, well, what, why are we even having late fees? And so the idea for Netflix was born and Mark Randolph wrote it down. And so the, obviously now Netflix is, you know, worth uh, hundreds of billions of dollars and both of them are independently wealthy and, you know, went IPO and it's completely changed the world of entertainment. A lot happened in between. 
a lot happened in between. And so they didn't really take on that story and they didn't pursue it for like another year. And then they started with VHS in the mail. Hey, if you put a VHS in the mail and you can return it anytime, no late fee. Well, that became problematic because it was very expensive to ship VHS. And then around that time, DVDs started coming out. That became more efficient uh, and less expensive to ship. So they started with DVDs, then streaming came around, and now Netflix is the streaming giant and the entertainment giant. You don't predict these things. Uh, and it took a long time for all of that to happen. But... Mark Randolph said, to this day, people want to hear the origin story. So as an entrepreneur, you've got to have an origin story. Remember the Howard Schultz story I just told you about the, the trip to Milan? A lot happened in between from his trip to Milan to starting Starbucks. Nobody wants to hear that part. <laughs> there's so much. There's so you, much. You do, you do have to be you know, skillful at creating uh, stories that are true, that are factually true that reflect maybe the vision, the values, the passion behind it. But we don't want to hear the whole story. Well, I mean, this goes back to what we were talking about earlier in terms of psychology, in terms of neurobiology, because the human brain can connect and make sense more of a story than it can from just dry facts, would you say? And that's, yeah. that's really kind of the essence of what you're talking about. One of the most fascinating things I've learned in the last few years, especially as I've written my last three books. Uh, so Talk Like Ted was all about the, uh, the TED, not the TED conference, but how to be a speaker that's at that level. And what can we learn from great speakers who speak at TED? Some people get it confused. They think it's about the conference itself. So that was Talk Like Ted. I started going into storytelling back then. Then I wrote a book called The Storyteller's Secret. Like, yeah, there's a whole chapter there just on If you're watching on YouTube, you got the book here. Go, make sure you do this. We'll put a link to all of Carmine's books in the show notes, but I just wanted to give him a plug there. Great yeah, book. It's a, it is a good book for public speaking. Uh, it's a really good public speaking book, and it's become an international bestseller, so I'm really proud of it. Uh, that's where I started thinking much more deeply about storytelling, because most, almost every TED talk has to be heavy on story. And there's a reason for that. We'll talk about that in a minute. So then I wrote a book just on storytelling and business called The Storyteller's Secret. And then in the last book, Five Stars, I go into a little more advanced storytelling. Storytelling is a big part of my life now, especially in the last uh, five to seven years. I'm just immersed in it. Uh, and the background is, very, is fascinating because, like you said, we are wired for stories. Uh, we are narrative sapiens. <laughs> Some people call it we're narrative sapiens. Uh, an anthropologist explained it to me, so I'll explain it to your viewers very, very quickly and easily. Anthropologists believe that when our ancestors gained control of fire, that was a major milestone in human development. We could cook food, brains got bigger, smarter. Uh, we could ward off predators with fire, which they, they still do when you go to an African safari. There, there's people outside the tent with, with the fire. Third, though, and this is the most fascinating part, is that when our cave-dwelling ancestors gained control of fire, once language developed, they were able to sit around a campfire telling stories. In, in ancient tribes, the most uh, powerful influencers were the storytellers, because the storytellers informed, they inspired, they educated, as we developed, our brains are wired for story. So we don't want facts delivered just as straight bullet points or information. We want everything delivered in the form of story. Aristotle identified this 2,000 years ago. In fact, he was the first to say that a good story has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Uh, a lot of what we think about today in terms of good speaking and rhetoric comes from Aristotle. He was the first person to identify metaphor as a very impactful part of storytelling. He, they didn't have the word analogy 2,000 years ago. They used metaphor, comparing something to something else. And so when you think about the, the best speakers, 
they're almost always speaking in analogies, always making these comparisons. Uh, Warren Buffett is the king of metaphor. How do you explain financial topics to people, especially, you know, really deep, complex financial topics? He's always trying to look for a new metaphor. His most famous metaphor, everyone probably knows, is he looks for investments that are like economic castles. You've probably heard that. So, oh, yeah. um, surrounded by a moat, right? And so when I'm on CNBC, when I watch CNBC, do you know how many times that word comes up? You know, uh, does this company have a moat around it? Which means it's really hard for competitors to enter the industry. That came from Warren Buffett, who was thinking as a communicator, how do I make a, a metaphor or an analogy that people would understand, that would take something complex and make it simple to understand? Well, Tyler, that's, that started 2,000 years ago. Aristotle was the first person to advise that. What I'm saying is that when it comes to story, our brains are wired in a certain way. Has, and our brains have not changed for millions of years. We didn't have Zoom meetings 20 years ago. We didn't have PowerPoint 30 years ago. But so the tools have changed. This hasn't. But you got to understand how people want their information first. <laughs> and, and then you can adapt with the new tools. That's why PowerPoint, I think PowerPoint is a good storytelling vehicle. A lot of people diss PowerPoint. Well, I don't care if you use PowerPoint, Prezi, uh, Google Slides, or Apple Keynote. That doesn't matter to me. It's, you got to have the story down first. The slides just complement the story. But people use PowerPoint in, in, a weird, in a wrong way. They open a slide and they start filling in the bullet points. That's not the way your listener wants information. So you have to understand the brain first, then you can use the tools to adapt to how you structure and deliver the message. Carmine, I can't tell you how much I'm enjoying this because I can tell that I've got a, uh, you know, a similar mind on the other side of the Zoom call, which is, you know, an individual who read Sapiens, perhaps, because I'm telling I did. you, man, <laughs> I did. because that is a fantastic book. And it, it, it is amazing because millions of years ago, you learn about the development of the human species. And really, it was this process to where they started to use language, and then everything started to change, and then development right. of civilizations. And so that's why what we're talking about today is so important, is because if you want to coalesce, you know, a tribe or a movement or, you know, mm -hmm. anything that you want in life or in your business right. or whatever it may be, it's all about effective communication. And it comes down to the fact that, you know, while our tools, as you mentioned, have vastly changed, you know, even over the past you know, 10 years, 20 years, mm -hmm. sure. our brains are exactly the same. And 2000 years ago from an evolutional standpoint is like a blip on the radar. I mean, we're exactly the same as we were then. So I love this so, so much. Yeah. So I'm going to know a little bit more, if you don't mind, about your origin story just slightly. If you, if you could maybe give us sort of the, the you know, maybe the Cliff Notes version of your, your journey, because you'd mentioned a little bit earlier in the show that you had you know, you'd had four sort of, you know, maybe lost jobs, and then that caused you to pivot into being an entrepreneur. Um, so I'd love to know sort of how that process has gone for you. And, and what's what's next? I mean, what are you most excited about from from there? Well, my uh, father uh, was an Italian immigrant and was a prisoner of war in World War Two. And so what happened is that when he and my mom came to to America, this was around 1950s, you know, everything was golden to them uh, compared to Italy or, or being or eating rats and rice for, you know, five years in a prison camp. So everything to them was like a positive. So they really instilled a sense of gratitude in me and optimism, right? So, so because everything, especially living in America, it's very if you know, understand history and where people are from, this is one of the best times, which is so weird to talk about during the pandemic. But if you look at things historically, this is one of the greatest times, the greatest time ever to be living. Uh, and, and I read a book last year called The 1918 Pandemic. Oh, wow. Pandemics are with us yeah. for all of history. We're going to have another one. Viruses are everywhere. We're going to have another one. What do we learn from this? You do not want to live in 1918. 
<laughs> when, there, when there's no antibiotics and no hospitals and no, no communication. You know, so, it's, so in a way that that history, especially that I got from my parents, gives me a lot of optimism. And, and I think as an entrepreneur, boy, you, you actually do have to be optimistic. I think we are more optimistic than average. I think we have to be. How can someone like myself uh, you know, quit a high-paying job when there's nothing on the horizon, and no projects on the right? You got to be optimistic, <laughs> grateful for what you have, and optimistic about the future. Uh, it, it takes courage, too. It takes a lot of courage and optimism. Uh, when I left college, a lot of my uh, friends went on to law school, and I'll never forget, I'll never forget one conversation. One guy was making $80,000 a year, you know, right out of law school, and I was still making about fifteen or 18000 was my first paychecks uh, in journalism at, in a small town in Wisconsin. So it, it takes optimism and confidence and courage to know that you've got the skills to build on that and to continue to learn and to get better and that the future will be better than today. I think that's why I love talking to fellow entrepreneurs and you know, people who are trying to take control of their own lives because I think it's, we're all like-minded people, right? Courage, optimism, and gratitude yeah. are, are very common values that we all share. No, I totally agree. And I think it requires an extreme amount of optimism to, you know, act in any sort of environment, whether, you know, the good, you know, the news is overwhelmingly good news, or whether it's overwhelmingly, perhaps challenging news in which the environment, you know, is today that we're, you know, if you look at the news, I mean, right now, it's like, oh, my gosh, the world is yeah. crashing, it's falling all around us. But to your point, there's so many things that we can be grateful for the fact that you and I can communicate right now. The oh, fact that look, any of these listeners can listen right now. Yeah, I was uh, a television anchor for 15 years. So I understand what's happening. When you watch pundits, when you watch uh, cable news personalities or information coming across the news, uh, we select for that. Mm -hmm. We're not selecting people who don't have an answer. We're not inviting a guest who is so smart that they know that they know what they don't know that that that's a very smart wise person who probably understands a lot about a topic who can say i don't know the answer to that we don't we if i'm a producer for a television show that's not who i want i want someone who's going to make a dramatic shocking sensational prediction most of those predictions turn out to be wrong so, <laughs> so it does help to understand understand how the media works on us and that's another thing i think that's really important tyler something that i've learned over the last you know 10 or 20 years of studying persuasion studying the brain uh as entrepreneurs you need to be in control you you want to be you want to be in control of your life you want to be in control of your uh, of your destiny your future you got to control this too don't let other people control how you behave or how anxious you become. You know, the, those, that's really, really hard. And I know we'll get to some book recommendations. Yeah. I've got some amazing uh, psychology and behavioral books that I think are really important for people to read maybe now. You know, maybe yes. now's the best time to read those books. Well, I definitely want to get into that here just very shortly. But before we sure. do that, you know, one of the, like you are speaking my language so deeply because, you know, the inner work, in my opinion, is so important to be able to recognize not only what the media is looking for you to react because they're looking for sensationalism, they're looking for yeah. clicks, they're looking for viewers. Mm -hmm. But, mm -hmm. you know, in this entire environment, you've got to be aware of your emotions and, and the awareness. And one of the things that I'm so fond of is just, you know, learning about mindfulness and being aware of my own emotions. Yeah. But with that said, I'd love to know just really quickly, you know, what, what sort of personal growth, uh, you know, is so important for you? I mean, what, what types of inner work have you done to prepare yourself for these type of environments, the good, the bad, the ugly? I'd love to know, you know, briefly, what, what are your routines when it comes to personal growth? Uh, yeah, there's, there's two in particular, Tyler, and I think this is really important. Uh, one is uh, that, that daily exercise. Uh, that is, that, that's really helps with pretty much everything, right? It helps with your mind. Uh, it, it helps with your energy level. 
And so I've, I've been very committed uh, to running and gym and exercise and, you know, also, also filling my body with good, healthy food. Most people don't know about you know, nutrition. <laughs> they don't think about it. They don't study it. And so again, it's that loss of control. It's whatever the, the food companies want to want to feed you to make money. Uh, so again, you have to get back into that control. What's interesting in a weird way, Tyler, is that I live in California. So over the last 10 years, uh, many of my clients, not the bulk of them, but many are agribusiness clients. So I've actually learned more about food, nutrition, how it's grown, where it's grown. <laughs> the, the best thing, the best thing that we can be doing to have more energy is to eat more fruits and vegetables. That, that's like the number one thing that you could be doing to have more energy. Da daily activity and eat more fruits and vegetables. And very few of us get even the minimum that we're, and here's the thing about gratitude. Walk into any grocery store in America, you are surrounded by an abundance of fruits and vegetables, the likes of which the richest person a hundred years ago can never have imagined. So again, you got to have this gratitude that you can take daily exercise, that you can eat well and you're surrounded by great food. And, and the other thing is I am a big reader. Um, I read 50 to 75 books a year. And most of, this is the fun part about what I do because I write for different publications. I get sent all the new nonfiction books. Uh, so two weeks ago, uh, I have this wonderful book in my library called The Splendid and the Vile, which is the number one New York Times bestseller this week about uh, Winston Churchill and, and, the, and the Nazi Blitz on, in London in uh, 1940. And in a weird way, it kind of gives you perspective. It's not only amazingly written by Eric Larson, the guy who wrote Dead Wake, uh, but it also gives you perspective that here is a guy like Churchill who, when the bombs were falling, could, be, could remain calmer than everybody else in the room and could wait till the bombs fell and the room shook and, and the debris would fall before getting back to his meeting. Is everybody ready? Okay, now let's talk about what we're going to do next. I mean, this incredible calmness. Uh, and knowing that once Nazi German captured, captured him, he'd write bad things would happen to him. Um, but here was a guy who was very, very brave and taught other people to be brave through the words he used. So I'm a big supporter of, I think people need to read more books than, entrepreneurs read more books than average. Read Mark Randolph's book on how he started Netflix. You'll learn a lot about entrepreneurship, courage, uh, and communication. So I, I think that reading, daily activity, and eating well are the, the three things in my life that you, I need to do every day and I think continue to elevate me in my success. Well, and you've got to be reading Carmine's books as well. I mean, we're going to put a, show, uh, a link in the show notes to all of his books because it's phenomenal work. But I just wanted to highlight just how multidisciplinary you know, of an individual you are, and which really shows, you know, the, the depth of your study and the commitment to growing yourself as an individual, you know, is something that we've all got to take note of, you know, what can we do to enhance our health? Because if you don't have your health, you have nothing, right? You know, what's wealth without health, as well as what's knowledge without wisdom. And what you're doing is you're studying and you're learning, and you're growing as an individual to increase you know, improve your communication as well as improve your relationships, improve your relationships with yourself as well as others. And I just think there's such a depth to who you are, man. And this is a lot of fun. And uh, I want to be respectful of your time and we'll, we you. will transition into our rapid fire section. And we call this okay. our rare air questionnaire because there's no doubt in my mind, we've got an right. uncommon right. individual here <laughs> and we're going to elevate to a life without limits. And, and that's what you're doing. And that's what everybody listening is doing. And so let's dive in a little bit further here into books. And, and I've loved 50 to 75 books a year is very inspiring. Yeah. And I'd love to know if you were to distill it down to maybe the top three most impactful books that you've read, I'd love to know what those are. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <clears throat> I can give you uh, 50, but let's talk about three. Uh, there is one book that I come back to every year. So I think it, it has to be on the top of everyone's list. Please read this. Daniel Kahneman, 
thinking fast, slow. You, I'm Tyler, you've probably, read it. Yep. you're <laughs> nodding. Of course you've read it and you probably have talked about it. I have. Every, almost every other book on behavioral psychology quotes Daniel Kahneman. Daniel yeah, Kahneman do. is the Nobel Prize winning economist who came up with the kind of biases that, are, that affect all of us. We, we can't, again, wired in our brains. Uh, and you're seeing it today. You're seeing it today during the pandemic as well. Things like availability bias that we talked about. You're focused on today, you can't see the future. So you extrapolate how bad the future is going to be based on what you see today. That's called availability bias. Thank you, Daniel, Daniel Kahneman. Again, all of this goes back to research in the 70s. Great book, and it's a good communication book as well, because he talks about how people want to receive information. Uh, the other one is Doris Kearns Goodwin. This is the history book, Leadership in Turbulent Times. Uh, it was a best-selling book. Doris Kearns Goodwin is the historian who wrote uh, Lincoln, which became the Steven Spielberg movie. You would... Uh, be shocked and amazed and uh, just inspired by how much communication is in that book. She talks about Abraham Lincoln as a storyteller. She talks about Franklin Roosevelt as how he, and how he could explain complex things that were going on in the banking world in simple to understand language on his fireside chats. Remember we talked about being around a fire? Fireside chats on the radio. So again, all the presidents that she talks about in leadership, that's the name of the book, are all great communicators. Uh, so those are the two books I would start with. There, there's another whole category of books that I'm fascinated with. Bill Gates is the one suggesting these. And those are what I call progress books, but books that kind of show you just how grateful we should be today because of all the progress we've made. So one of the best in that category is Steven Pinker, uh, Harvard uh, researcher, uh, psychologist, and his book is called Enlightenment Now. Enlightenment Now, Bill Gates said that's probably his favorite book of all time. Wow. Yeah. That's a big it's, statement. It's a thick book. Okay, it's a big book, it's a thick book, but people who have gotten through it and have read it, uh, their lives have been changed. People who I recommend that book to, they re read it, they're like, wow, this is not the kind of book I typically read, Carmine, but their lives are changed because they'll see just how grateful they should be about living in today's world. And Tyler, and this is kind of a good place to kind of start ending it, I guess, if, if, <laughs> if we're done. Uh, but the more great, and you know this as an entrepreneur, the more grateful you are about what you have today, the more optimistic and excited you can be about taking advantage of all of the abundance and potential we have. Even yes. in the middle of a crisis, Churchill could see around the corner. He could see what that recovery was going to be like when 30,000 plus Londoners were killed by bombs over the period of like six months. I mean, that's scary stuff. And you're the last yeah. island standing. <laughs> you're the last one standing. He could see around the corner. George Washington could see around the corner. Uh, Abraham Lincoln could see around the corner. So it's but you can't see around the corner and be optimistic about what's around the corner unless you're really grateful about where you are today compared to the past. That's why I think those books are, start with Pinker's book and then you can move on to other books from there. But Pinker's book is a good one to start with. That's great. And, and uh, you know, one of the things that I talk a lot with my clients on is that information like that are support beams towards your gratitude, which is gratitude yeah. is a state of being that you can start and you can make better decisions rather than starting with fear. Because as Tony Robbins right. says, where focus goes, energy flows. And when you're, you're acting out of a state of fear, uncertainty of worry, you're going to be moving in that direction, you know, and that state is going to perpetuate. And so I think it's so important to learn from others and find that gratitude because there's so much that you can be grateful for. So I really appreciate you sharing that. I'm uh, glad you brought up Tony Robbins. He endorsed five stars. For I me. saw that. I saw that. Congratulations. I, I, and you know, Tony Robbins is, see, I, I don't judge people by what they say so much. I judge them by their actions and their character. And um, Tony Robbins once when I, when I met him and we had uh, some good conversations said, if I could do anything for you, you let me know. Well, one year later, I said, 
you know, Tony, this is a book that I, I actually think you would like, but I think it would appeal to the same type of people that you appeal to. Can you take a look at it and tell me what you think and maybe help me endorse it for me? Give me a blurb that we could put on the book jacket. And he was the first person to respond. That's awesome. Out of everybody I, I went out, you know, reached out to, he was the first person to respond. So again, that tells me that, and he remembered, oh yeah, I, I, I told you, whatever you, whatever I can do to help, I'll be there. One year later, he follows through on his word. So that's how I judge people. Yeah. Uh, anyone can talk a good game, right? <laughs> yes. We all know that. Anyone can talk a good game. It depends on your actions. Well, it's a great way to put a bow on what we've talked about in terms of communication. Actions speak louder than words, right? Yeah. You, can, yeah. you can inspire someone to come onto your journey with you through your story, through your passion. But at the end of the day, it's all about delivering on what you promise. So I love That's that a, so much. Absolutely. That's why I, I'm very selective in who I work with too, especially if it's a CEO or a business leader. If your actions don't back your words, I can teach you how to write beautiful words and connect with people, maybe inspire people through a story, but it's going to fall on deaf ears if they know that you don't have the character to back up your words. Well said, my friend. Talk to me, uh, just a couple of quick questions here. Um, what's the biggest way outside of what we talked about today that you elevate your life on a daily basis? Yeah, it's uh, that sense of gratitude. Yeah, sense of gratitude in the morning and at night. Uh, always uh, grateful for what I have and, and thanking, you know, whoever's out there, thanking uh, that person, that force for everything I have today. You know, very famous CEO, very successful man, uh, once told me that he met me, you know, we had lunch together and he said, I'm going to put this in my gratitude journal at the end of the night. I'm gonna, I said, well, what are, you, what are you talking about? What gratitude journal? Dude, put what? Oh, this lunch. It was a really inspiring lunch. I'm going to put this in my gratitude journal. Every night before I go to bed, I got to talk about, I got to think about the three reasons why, uh, you know, the three things I was grateful for today. And that's a very successful CEO. And I thought, well, that's, if he's doing that, why, why is that something I should be doing too? <laughs> you know? So that's, that is a habit I've gotten into and kind of lifts you up in the morning and um, makes you peaceful at night. That's awesome. Well, yeah. I know that you've done so much for our listeners already, um, but I'd love to know what's the biggest way that you elevate others around you? Recently, it's been praise. Um, it's been, yeah, I don't want to bring everything back to psychology time, but you know, emotion and praise are really important. Uh, and I've read some psychology papers and a lot of books that people are crave recognition. They crave praise. And in fact, there are some psychology papers out there. This is interesting to your viewers, I think, that even when we know we're kind of being worked on, even when we know the praise is maybe kind of fake praise, we still like it. <laughs> Interesting. So what that tells me is that people are so hungry for that outside validation. What they do, no matter who you are, no matter how far you've risen in, in your career or in life, hardwired. And so I think if you want to elevate people around you, don't be fake about it, but find ways of praising them for what they do well, because all of us need it. We crave it. It's part of who we are. It's hardwired in our brains. So if you know that, knowing that about how people behave and how you can connect with people and, and elevate them, why not connect with them by finding ways, finding things that you can praise them about genuinely? What a great uh, piece of advice there, Carmine. Yeah. This has been an absolute blast. I really appreciate you taking time. Are there any parting thoughts or words of wisdom that you'd leave Elevate Nation with? Yeah, uh, getting back to ideas. Getting back to ideas. You know, you are only as valuable as your ideas, especially in the 21st century. That's what, you, that's what people are going to weigh you from is how powerful your ideas are. If you can communicate your ideas in a way that is simple, clear, inspiring, impactful, you will be far more successful than you've ever imagined. And here's the best part, it's a skill. 
everything we've talked about, public speaking, communication, storytelling, leadership, you can build it. I love golf. I'll never be a professional golfer. I don't have the coordination. I don't have the skills. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have the height to be a basketball player. This is a skill you can actively build and be one of the best at. That's awesome. That's amazing. Carmine, thank you so much. If Elevate Nation wants to continue to engage with you and follow you deeper on your journey, how can they do that? Visit my website, carmigallo.com. That would be the best way of interacting with me, signing up for a weekly newsletter where I send out new videos and new content every week, carmigallo.com. And from there, you can connect with me on social media as well. I'm very active on LinkedIn. I respond to everybody on LinkedIn. I'm on there every day, sharing new content and information uh, on Instagram at uh, Carmine Gallo Speaker and on Twitter at Carmine Gallo. So if you just, Tyler, if you remember the, a good Italian name like Carmine Gallo. It's a beautiful be name. absolutely and so you know the best thing here that you can do is you can share this with a friend and what you want to do is if you're listening to this on you know a podcast app you want to screenshot that and you want to tag Carmine in any social media sort of platform that you're on and share this with someone else because the teacher is really who learns the most I mean there's so much here that we've got to go and dive into and really get a full understanding of how does the human psychology work and how can I improve my own communication skills and how can I you know, share my ideas with someone else and inspire them and bring some motivation from within uh, to really create something great in my life. And so, you know, Carmine, this has been an absolute blast, like I said, so many times and really just want to thank you again for spending time today. And I want to thank Elevate Nation for being here. Thank you. Thank you, Tyler. Thanks to everybody. And if you tag me on social media, Uh, I will, guaranteed, I will respond. Absolutely. And until next time, thank you for tuning in and we'll see you soon. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Elevate. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to elevate your results by taking immediate action on what you learned. For more, visit tylerchesser.com.